We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about the why, why, whys of modern dating, why people do the things they do and why people think the way they do. This week was action-packed for us in terms of press. We were on KQED (laughs) on Friday where we had exactly nine minutes to get everything out there. (laughs) But love in the time of Corona. (laughs) Yes. And KQED is part of PBS. And this was broadcast out to Northern California. But also you can find the link we put up the link in our Instagram. Uh, What was it's always a fun experience doing these press interviews, because you don't really know what they're going to end up editing out. (laughs) So Julie and I spent a lot of time the night before just prepping 
everything we wanted to cram into the nine <laughs> minutes. And we finished our segment in eight minutes. We were like, whoa, we did it. That was that was nerve wracking. We're such overachievers. It was... <laughs> It's like also, I don't know, it, this used to happen to us the early podcast day. I feel like over time, I've gotten a little better at this. But I feel like when I'd first re-listen to a podcast, I'm like, oh, I wish I said that, you know? Oh, yeah, like, all the time. Like all that comment. And I definitely, I remember like in the interview, I mentioned our Facebook, like Facebook groups in general. And I'm like, why did I specifically say our Facebook group? <laughs> but it's like <laughs> one of those things in like hindsight that you're like, okay, that wasn't actually even a prepared question. That was kind of like a random random one that came at us. So. Right. Yeah. So they, you know, for anybody who is really interested about the behind the scenes, because I'm always interested as well. We had a pre-production call with the anchor Priya and her producers. So we went over some of the topics that could be discussed. And we had a really good time just shooting the shit. I mean, it was a very casual conversation, yeah. right? It was like yeah. girls just talking over brunch. <laughs> and then on Thursday, they did a tech call with us just to make sure our lighting and sound was was fine. That took like two minutes per person. Boom, done. And on Friday, we just had to be on Skype at a certain time and they were going to bring us into the conversation. And it all of a sudden got super serious because it went from this really casual conversation, like Priya, the anchor was in her kitchen eating lunch while yeah. we were talking. And now she's in a suit. She's like <laughs> full makeup. And she's like, up next, we're talking about love in the time of COVID with UA and Julie. And it was like, whoa, all of a sudden, oh, Oh my God, this is this is the news. Yeah, I definitely had that reaction too. I think it was like the backdrop of, you know, that very, what is it? Just like, they're yeah. like, it's just that very standard news-esque imagery. It's hard to explain, but I think you all know what I'm talking about. But as soon as I saw that, and I think the suit was also a big part of it, I was like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> And then my internet yes. froze at one point, so I had to like reshoot one scene, but or one topic, not a scene, but a scene <laughs> and action. Uh, but when they played it back, where you all have to check out the link because I think we did an awesome job. We were right after Alice Waters, who is a Bay Area icon. Basically, she um, is a woman behind Chez Panisse. She is just this culinary genius, and it was really fantastic because she's the leading story, and yeah. we followed her. So I was really proud of us for that. And I hope there's more to come. Again, thank you, Saba, for that CNN article. It just all spiraled. Yeah, you know what's interesting, though? Because there was the one question there was about, like, if we thought dating was going to had been contributing to COVID mm. that ended up getting cut. And I'm kind of glad it did because my take was like, oh, we're not medical professionals, you know, like, we have a stance of our opinion, but it's not really like a professional opinion in that sense, right? Like, I think the way we were thinking about it is it's a lot different if you're going around having sex with a ton of different people versus you're going on like a socially distanced date with a mask. Those mm -hmm. are very different risk levels. But it got me thinking about more about sex during this time. We had this really interesting article in our Facebook group that was sent around and it was a lot of like medical experts that weighed in and mm -hmm. they're like kind of the way at least I interpreted the article was they were like well you know kissing is pretty darn dangerous this day and age yeah. uh -huh. and also you know like with sex tends to come kissing so they were like okay well maybe you can wear a mask and do doggy style <laughs> and 
I don't know. There's just like, there were some comments in the group too. And one person said, and I totally agree with this. It's like, okay, if you're already getting that close proximity to someone, you're running a risk. Like, I think it's like kind of like a false sense of security that you think that you're safe because you're doing doggy style. And like someone in the group commented too, that they actually did doggy style with a mask. And then the girl like wanted to cuddle after. And he's like, I don't know what to do. Like, should I deny her cuddling time? But that's like not safe. So I don't know. It's just an interesting topic. Well, also it just feels very transactional yes. what do you do like is there no romance to this at all do you just you get lubed up in, in your own respective rooms and then you come out put a mask on and then do doggy style and then leave <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand where the foreplay and the afterplay or postplay no. comes from and how would that even make you feel good I think I would feel like shit just doing doggy style with mask on with someone I just met <laughs> me too I would almost rather just do virtual sex if it came down to the those are the yes. only two options. It's like, you know, I don't know. There's just something about kissing that is so core to sex that it feels it feels like it wouldn't be worth it to me not to have that piece of the equation. Yes. Unless if you were pretty far along in your relationship and this is some avenue of kink you want to explore. Uh, yeah. Right? That could be cool. I think masks could be kind of sexy, actually. I think they definitely Absolutely. could be. There's some like, I think we should make a line of masks that, you know, like the like masquerade party you go to. That it's, yes. Like, that'd be kind of fun if we had like dateable sex masks. <laughs> or just a mask that says DTF. <laughs> we should totally make that one. That's be just so put easy. it out there. Yeah. <laughs> just put it all out there. Why not? I know. Yeah. It's so fascinating, though. I think like, w- yeah, one of the people said that it's obviously you're technically supposed to stay in your household. But the reality mm-hmm. is that singles aren't, you know, it's, it's a hard place right now. Like, can we should we just be pausing all life? at the same time. So I think one girl's take was I'd rather define the relationship earlier with someone and just make it a pack that we're only sleeping with each other and like have it progress rather Mm -hmm. than do this like whole doggy style with mass situation. It's tricky because after they asked us that question, I, I don't know, from the people we've talked to, everyone seems to be quite responsible when it comes to dating, but they're just not responsible when it comes to their own social circles. For some reason, because you you know your friends, you feel yeah. like you can trust them more, which I think on some level makes sense. But when the group gets bigger, your chances of risk do get higher. And I think we kind of forget that because we are like, oh, I've known this person for years. Like I trust them. But can you can you really trust people right now? I don't know if I can. I don't know. I was invited to something over the weekend that I respectively declined. And I the person that invited me it sent me a video today and it looked like a freaking clusterfuck of a bunch of people without masks on yes. and partying like nothing had happened right and I'm just like yeah. I am not there yet but people are totally fucking you know like there's I think there's <laughs> two camps of people like there's the people that are just like fuck it we're just gonna you know do makeshift events because we can't go to bars per se or go to events like we'll just have house parties or rage in the park and then there's mm-hmm. other people that are sticking to smaller social circles so I guess it all depends on your comfort of level on the risk that you're willing to take. I don't know if I'm there yet. It sucks because I'm like, oh, I'd want to be there. But I I just don't think I'd be comfortable. I think the whole time I'd be thinking about it. And yeah. I made a joke to him that I think I got COVID just watching this video, but he didn't <laughs> reply. <laughs> 
He's like, not funny, but true. I went to Dolores Park this weekend just for a hot second because one, I wanted to see the circles. Oh, yeah. I was curious about the circles. And for anybody who's not familiar with San Francisco, Dolores Park is basically where the young and high and drunk people hang out, <laughs> especially on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. And so they've implemented these, these circles where you stay within them. And it's only part of the park where they have that. Mm. So where they do have the circles, everyone was abiding by the boundaries. But once you leave the area with the circles, it was a clusterfuck too. There was the biggest gay party happening and these really hot guys were <laughs> topless in little uh, thongs and little uh, swim... I, I don't even know what. Barely anything. And they were all clustered together drinking and having a great time it looked like but the whole time I just kept thinking like this does not look right I I do not think they've quarantined together this whole time and so the circle we were in again was for my boyfriend's friend's birthday and he had a couple friends there and for some reason even though I like people I just didn't feel like socializing meeting new people with Mm. a mask on and like with the atmosphere I'm just not in the mood yeah I mean I do miss meeting more people. And I think that's why like our even our virtual happy hours have filled a void with that. Like I think people have people have become legit friends from them. I think that's so amazing. But Mm -hmm. I do miss that. I think that really energizes me in general meeting new people and talking to people and I just haven't had that. But at the same time, I don't miss it that much that I'm about to like go risk stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I went to uh, the Marina District in San Francisco, which is also known to be like kind of like the frat party <laughs> area. But I went on Friday for uh, dinner with some friends. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even my walk over, which I do kind of enjoy that I'm like walking everywhere now. Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of those silver linings. But my walk over, I mean, just like all the bars and restaurants were packed. And we went to a sushi place and we sat outside and I felt relatively safe. I felt very confined to the three other people I was with. But I don't know. It's like it's such a hard line to balance because we might be like this for a while. Like, what are we Mm going to do to shut in completely? Like, at least it gives a sense of normalcy. Like, we were talking about last weekend when we went to wine country and like I went Mm -hmm. to brunch too. It like felt like normal times. And Friday definitely felt more normal besides the fact that everyone was outside of masks. But besides that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do think this mask wearing is going to be a thing for a while. And I actually, I mean, it's uncomfortable, but I kind of prefer. I think it's more hygienic. It's Mm -hmm. much safer. It keeps everything cleaner. And the worst thing that can happen during any sort of networking event or social event is someone talking and spitting in your face. So it's kind (sighs) of nice that we have these shields now. And I do hope that they stay around for a while. But I had no idea how controversial masks were. I mean, I knew like a little bit, but I didn't think they were in San Francisco. And I finally met someone who just purely did not believe in oh, masks. Oh, in SF. Who, in SF, who just thinks this is just a crock of shit. It's uh, it's made up and it, he feels like his rights are taken away from it, uh, from him. Yeah, I mean, that's a very real feeling in this country. Like I didn't, I thought it was like a little more condensed to different areas, but maybe you just don't hear it as loud, you know, like in right. blue cities and states like I'm sure there's some people that feel that way it's just not the overarching message that keeps getting pushed yeah but Julie there there's some really cute masks out there oh masks I thought you said there are some really cute guys out there and I was like how how would I approach them (laughs) they're like get away from me 
<laughs> this is the first time in history when a girl approaches a guy, they're like, stay six feet no, apart. six feet away. <laughs> well, some. Some are like, come on over. <laughs> yeah, some are, like, some are like, what? I can't hear. Masks? I don't closer. care about masks. <laughs> Kissing? No big deal, you know? <laughs> But we also said our reservations were at like 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. So it got a little like ch- like San Francisco nights get a little oh, so chilly. Cold. It was overall, it was better than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. But we were like, mm-hmm. oh, the mask kind of gives you that extra layer of warmth. <laughs> Silver lining. Exactly. It like keeps you like all condensed. <laughs> it's true. But there was nothing. I mean... <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about a Burmese tea leaf salad, which is so delicious. Oh, I love this. It's filled with garlic, right? So every time I get it, I make sure I'm not talking to anybody for at least like five hours afterwards. And he's like, isn't it worse now? Because you're just like breathing in your own breath. For the rest of the day. Like, isn't it worse? I'm like, God, now that you mention it, it's worse. It's all self-contained bad breath. You're just like, but then if you already smell like garlic and you're breathing the garlic, do you even notice at that point? Because it's like already uh, there, you know? Yeah. It's like if a tree falls in a forest and yeah. nobody's there. <laughs> Does it really make a sound? Isn't that what it is? So philosophical. So philosophical. Uh, I do want to do a follow-up, just a little note from last week, because uh, bring it back down to a little seriousness. We were talking about racism and why there's no like rehab. And it finally dawned on me. And I thought, why is racism not illegal in America? Like, it should be illegal. And therefore, I mean, if jaywalking is illegal, racism should be illegal. I know it's against uh, the First Amendment, freedom of expression. Yeah. But there needs to be something put in place in the legal system where if someone makes a racist remark, they're taken to jail and then there's some sort of rehab, re retransition process. Well, we talked about it last week. The Carrot Law in San Francisco yes, is yes, a first yes, step. Yes. You know, it's at least like fall. There, I think that's a thing that makes it difficult. With that, for example, there's like a, a definite action that they can be like, okay, you called the police on someone that wasn't doing right. anything thing because of their race because it's not subjective that way yeah i think that's where it would get very hard it's like people can defend themselves i guess is the part that makes it difficult but if you put no blacks in your dating profile that's right is there any right that's argument that's a good point because there's definitely different lines of racism like there's some like Mm -hmm. overtly overt things that you're right if you say that like how is that misunderstanding anything yeah Pretty straightforward. Yeah. I don't know. You ain't sending the bill. (laughs) (laughs) On it. Writing it right now on my iPad. (laughs) Send in the bill. But hey, I I would love more discussion around this. If you have any thoughts about this, DM us on Instagram. That's where we're most active because we're always on our phones. (laughs) So... Uh, we do. So we would love for more people to join the Facebook group. Love yes. in the time of coronavirus. Ever since the CNN article came out, we've just had an influx of people joining. And now we've implemented a question that you should answer once you do request to join. And the question is, what would you define as dateable? Oh, yeah. And we've been getting some really good answers. We should Julie. start reading them. Do you have one? I, up? I do. Oh, I made great. a whole folder for love these because I thought, oh, my goodness this is so fun because we never i mean we started a podcast called dateable but we never really defined what that means so the latest one we've got 
What does dateable mean to you? Free from the constraints of a monogamous relationship. Ooh. Interesting. Being in the right state of mind to find connections. Love like it. That one too. Love it. Having the introspection to grow within yourself to become a better partner to someone else. Ooh. These are so good. These are amazing. People, we should post this on Instagram too and try to get some answers. We should. And then we've gotten a lot of these, self-aware, secure, honest, and open. Those are the words that we've seen a lot of. So we'll keep reading these as more people join, but these have been just really refreshing to read. Thank you. I love Thank how you on it you are. I think that's... I'm on it. <laughs> I saw them coming in. I was like, oh, we should document these somehow. And you're already doing it this is why this is why this teamwork is great <laughs> screen grab screen back so that's one call to action join our facebook group search for us love in the time of coronavirus by the dateable podcast and then also want to thank everyone for the reviews we are getting so many it's been amazing and ratings you can just leave a rating it literally takes two seconds and that helps honestly just as much so if you don't have time to write a review although that takes like what a minute but we still are down with just the ratings it's so helpful and if you don't have an iPhone, you can also go on, like if you have a Mac computer, you can do it through iTunes too. Again, thank you so much, especially if you're in the UK. It's going to be my last shout out to the UK folks, but <laughs> I know no one uses Apple Apple products there, but I do see the stats coming in that Apple is still the most popular podcast platform and your review can literally make or break us because we have so few of them. So please give oh us a good goodness. one. <laughs> and if you're a nice chap from the UK, Okay, who happens to be single and quite dateable, Ooh. please reach out to Julie Kravchik. Yeah, I was going to say DM me. <laughs> Just what DM I need. Her. Another love interest across the pond. Hey, now's the perfect time to do a pen pal. Yeah, but also not time. the perfect time because we're not even allowed to go to the UK. That's okay. Because you're like, if you're not seeing people in your own city, why can't you just have totally. a friend in the UK? I know, Get but we're like away. banned. We're not even allowed in. It's so sad. I know. I used to say, because I used to have a Chinese passport, and I used to say that was the worst passport to have because we had to get applied for visas nope. everywhere. The US. Nope. Now it's the US passport. <laughs> yep. Just my luck. Just my luck. Uh, okay. So before we get to this episode, again, this is a bonus episode for anybody who's new joining. We are starting season 11 very soon. But for this one, we are rerunning an episode of the first of all podcast that we were on with Minji. And Minji was on our podcast three weeks ago called I Date Me First. Minji's fantastic. So, so we good. wanted to bring her back into the mix and replay her episode. But before we just give you a little bit more intro about who Minji is, Julie, I think now's the time to plant the seed for who is the ultimate celebrity we want on Ooh. season 11. And I think every week, we yes. keep saying their name and hoping, yes. you know, six degrees. Yes. Okay. Send good vibes. So, <laughs> send good vibes because I realize there's people in our Facebook group, there's people listening. You You're never right. know who ever, anybody right. knows, right? So who is that person? Well, I think both of us have one that we both want, yes. but maybe we could yes. also think of one that we don't necessarily both want. But I think our mutual one, I'll go there first, then I'll say mm -hmm. my individual. Our mutual one is Eliza Schlesinger from Elder Millennial, the comedian. I think she's both... 
on our bucket list. I feel like we both bonded over that stand up in general. So we were both related hard. And as fellow elder millennials, we would love to have a conversation <laughs> about dating, yes. relationships, love, you know, all that. If you know her, if you know her Uber driver, if you know her third cousin, twice removed, it doesn't matter. If you just know anybody who's barely even like remotely touched her, please let us know. It would be our dream remotely to get her. Touched her. <laughs> hey, I touched you once. Want to come on Dateable Podcast? <laughs> We've already tried emailing her agent, her manager through her website. We've tried it all. And I'm pretty sure she's not on her book tour right now. So she has all the time in the world to do some podcast interviews. She's doing a cooking show on Facebook with her husband. So she could totally do another live stream, right? Fantastic. I love them like managing her schedule. Like (laughs) she totally has another hour to do this podcast. That's why you guys got to give us the ratings and reviews though. So it looks like we're a big deal and she's down to take that out. (laughs) Yeah, make us look legit so eliza's <laughs> like okay I'll, I'll finally get on these two stalkers show okay so what's another one that you have oh my dream is Brene brown oh yeah. hands down i love her so much we also hit her up a long time ago i love that we say like we hit her up we sent an email through her website <laughs> You know what's ironic, though, is we actually haven't really proactively reached out to that many of these big guests. Like, a lot of them have come to us through PR. So we Mm. have, yeah, I mean, we did reach out to Brene Brown through her, like, those, like, email templates on your website. Did not get a response. But that was also a couple years ago. Maybe now that we're a little bigger. You know, we hit number 17 on the Apple podcast charts. So, you know, gotta throw that in. Maybe I'll I'll use that in the pitch. Brene Brown would be so lovely to have we're only 16 after her podcast (laughs) we're basically in the same league right i just like sent her a screenshot i'm like here is you here is us Let's collaborate while we're at it. Let's we, go. We're happy to be on your podcast. too. We're like, you know, um, it, we're finally open to having you be on our <laughs> podcast, seeing that you've really earned that spot. <laughs> I just love, 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 love her work, though. And she's yeah. such I think what I love about her, too, is she's so academic. She's so intelligent, but she speaks like real like she. it's like mm-hmm. real talk with your friends. And I think it's very hard to find people like that. And I think sh- it has really set her apart. Yeah, I, I agree. So I who's yours? <laughs> so happy to have her on. Oh, mine <laughs> would be Keanu Reeves. Oh, that, oh interesting. Julie looked shocked. She looked shocked. <laughs> I had to think about this. And I thought, you know, I was showering yesterday. And I was like, who would be the ultimate person that I want to learn more about? Keanu Reeves. And I'm pretty sure it's near impossible because he's, he's so private about his mm. personal life. He's had a very traumatic personal life, especially when it comes to romance and the, the love category. Or from what I've read, right? So he's experienced quite a few tragedies. Mm. And I just want to know, like, how, what's... What's keeping him going, how he bounced back, and why he's never part of any of the trashy celebrity <laughs> gossip magazines, you good know, like him. he's <laughs> so good about keeping private and and also just people really respect him. Yeah. So I, I want to hear about his love life and what he's currently doing if he's single because, you know, no ring on my finger to sing. <laughs> you're gonna throw me one you're like nope nope i'm still here no, sorry dude <laughs> sorry you're like, sorry, I, i'm not that generous <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm taking this one <laughs> you're like, this one's mine <laughs> you could have that rando and dolores park 
<laughs> Keanu Reeves, he's me. You can have that British guy that you'll never see in real life. But yeah, go there you go. <laughs> okay, can yeah. I throw one more sneaky one? Oh my in, god, this and list we'll be is done? expanding. Okay, okay, this is my yes. last one. I would love the Beavers. I think they're so adorable. Oh, I was, <laughs> I, my head went to. Justin has a brother. Like, what <laughs> I got. Brother? You know, like when they oh, okay, put out yeah. that song that yeah, um, stuck on you or stuck, stuck yeah. with me or stuck yeah, the one together. about quarantine that our friend yeah. Sheil and former guest had his cameo right. in. I actually got deep into their Facebook series, Meet the Beavers, and about their story. Right. And I just think they had a really interesting story. Like, he was a total playboy, like, didn't give her the time of day. And then they broke up. And then he, like, really had to, like, make it up to her and prove himself. Oh, and all before turning 21. Exactly. How how mature of them. They would be really interesting because I think they are setting an example Mm -hmm. for Gen Zers who are looking for love. And because they're young. They are young. they got married really young. But, okay, there we go. Oh, that's our list. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a connection to any one of them, hit us up. Hello at Dateable Podcast. Or you could DM <laughs> us at any time or any hour. <laughs> if you are able to make any sort of connection, we owe you big time. Not only will we give you a shout out on the show, you're in for a surprise. I don't know what the surprise is yet. <laughs> it's a surprise for us too, but we're going to make it big for you okay you will not regret it i was gonna say when we can like somewhat meet again in real life we will somehow make it up to you that it will be something that we can do together for sure okay all right take note of that so now we're ready for minji not that minji is not on that <laughs> list it's just that we already crossed minji off the list so this list is getting She's smaller already, she, she already mentioned on her her episode she did with us that she was gonna counter mark manson so she's already there you go they're already up there before we get to our episode, I do want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you so much for being our sponsor for this episode. In these unprecedented times, some of us, actually most of us, may be experiencing some challenging feelings. For me, it's been feelings of helplessness. You guys know I have this anxiousness that I've been trying to get rid of. And knowing that working on your mental health is really important right now. So I'm very thankful I've been working with BetterHelp, who've ensured me that I'm not alone in this. BetterHelp offers online counseling with professional, credible, and compassionate therapists in a safe and private environment. With 3,000 U.S. licensed professionals across 50 states, they make it easier than ever to find help. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Wow. Yeah, I know. Now for Dateable listeners only, you get 10% off your first month with the code Dateable. Get started today by going to betterhelp.com Dateable. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Just simply fill out a questionnaire to assess your needs and get matched with a suitable counselor. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash dateable and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 10% off your first month. So now we're ready for Minji. Minji is one of my favorite people that we've talked to. She is so introspective and just so fucking real. That girl gets raw and real and vulnerable. Her show, first of all, podcast, she talks about everything. Mm -hmm. But what is the best thing about her show is that you follow her evolution. Basically, you get this very exclusive look into her life. And she is just someone very relatable and going through what everyone else is going through 
going through, but she has a great way to evolve herself and mm-hmm. to put framework around her personal development. And yeah. thank you, Julie, for introducing her because she's a yeah. friend of yours. Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm glad that we were able to make the collaboration happen. Re-listening to the episode too, she was able to really do great interviewing skills with us too. And we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, the whole gamut of... <laughs> modern dating pre-COVID, what was going on to what is happening mm-hmm. now and how that's changing. Like we talk about DTR, define the relationship for a bit and citing examples from long ago to now that people are doing this like ASAP so they can have sex, like we were talking about earlier. So there's mm-hmm. all sorts yep. of topics that are coming full circle. And on this episode, we really hit it all. So I think it's a great way to get a pulse of what's happening this era that we're in, this pandemic that never is ending. Never ending pandemic. Well, at least we have Minji to help us through it. (laughs) Here's us on her podcast, first of all, with Minji. How are you doing? We're good. How are you doing, girl? Oh, you know, as best as one can be in... (laughs) In times like these, crazy time that we're at. I know it's like when someone asks how you're doing, it's like the default is good, but it's like, are you, are you really doing good right now? You know, it's such a loaded question. (laughs) Like I genuinely, I was like, I don't want to lie. But I don't know if I can tell you the truth because I don't know if we have time for that. <laughs> tell Somewhere us the truth. Well, you never told us if you actually put on the red lipstick you were talking about. Okay, so I started <laughs> and this is this is the state of my life is that I started the red lipstick thing. So it's like a blushy pink right now. I didn't commit to the whole red. <laughs> well, that's okay. A Thank you. I'm, I'm f- red. It's all good. You know, it's like a it's like a K-pop lip gradient. I like that. I love that you gave it the name. Love it. Um, I've been putting on makeup because I feel like I just need to because I'm like I'm starting to just wear sweats every day and I'm like this is not good. I need to. Yeah, I need, no to, I need to switch this up ASAP. One hundred percent. I was wearing workout clothes every single day. I think the first two months because we're past the two like we're oh, yeah. what two and a half months, almost three now. Yeah. We needed to switch up out of the, the workout clothes. No, I'm still in the workout clothes. I actually changed a top because I actually had to go into work this morning or today. So I kept my workout bottoms, but I switched out the top just to, you know, keeping things fresh. You know, Guilty of that as well. I admit I'm definitely in yoga pants, but I got the top on too. So it's, it's halfway there. We're getting there little by little. We're getting there. It's a gradual, it's exactly. a gradual coming back to life. I appreciate that. We're very, see, and this is setting a good stage because we're going to be very real about all the things that we talk about. And I just want to take a second to praise you guys again. I sang your praises in the intro, but I really appreciate the candid conversations in general. Obviously, I appreciate that's that's my vibe, but I love what you guys talk about in your podcast, Indatable. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> And we love what you talk about on your podcast, too. And that's why we're doing this. We're doing this collabo. Yeah. (laughs) Finally. And and I was just catching up with Julie before we started recording that you guys have been recording your podcast for four years now. Yeah, over four years. 2016. It kind of started on a whim. We didn't really even know what podcasts were. And UA and I were in a bar and we're like, you know what? Let's do a podcast. And then we just kind of went from there. I feel that's like amazing that's how all po- podcasts would start. It's just like you're at a bar, you're drunk, and you're like, we should do a podcast. <laughs> well, I think it's so funny because now podcasts are a thing. They've they've had their ramp up time to become a legitimate content 
you know, platform. Because before Mm -hmm. I think there was definitely like a niche crowd that was into the podcast universe. They, they knew the shows, they knew the hosts, but it wasn't, I don't feel like it was a for everyone universe. No, No, especially in 2016, we were like literally on SoundCloud back then because there were no Mm -hmm. hosting platforms. Like it was so new at that point. We were just kind of we didn't think anyone would listen. Like we started off as dating stories with our friends and we're like, is anyone even listening to this that we don't know? And right. then we just got like magically picked up by Huffington Post and then it kind of started to escalate from there. That's insane. I want to know more about this origin story before. I mean, because this is much about you guys as we're definitely going to talk about dating. So anybody who's listening, hold your horses. We're going <laughs> to, we'll get, we're we'll, get we'll get to, we'll the, get to the tea. But before I'm sorry, this is my space and like, uh, it's my show. So I want to know the tea on the origin story. Cause I think that that's so cool to, I, I'm a very big believer in make things for yourself first things that you're interested in. And yeah, it doesn't matter. Obviously if you're making content, you want an audience and you want people to connect with it. That's the reason you're putting it out there, but you never know. Right? right. And you never know like what kind of an impact you're making, how far it gets spread, but you guys just made it because it's something you wanted to talk about. Right. And mm-hmm. how did, how did Huffington post happen? Like, did someone recommend you and then, well, or, first, like, it was a topic. It was up out. SF that picked us up. No, they found us from HuffPost, I think. Oh, I thought thought it was the other way around. I thought it was up out, then HuffPost. Oh, then I really don't know. (laughs) You know, but it all kind of like merges together at that point. I'm pretty sure it was the opposite because I thought that's how they found us. But honestly, I think for both of them, it was not us reaching out to them. It was just pure luck at that point. That's someone, the right person happened to hear us. That's awesome. And it's not even just like the right person, but it's like the message, something synced up. I'm very big on, you know, mm-hmm. divine timing and putting out your truth and it'll, you know, magical happen that way. I'm very much believe and promote that. But that's really cool that whoever, whoever this magical person was. <laughs> I know. Um, Thank you, magical person. <laughs> yeah. Because it, like, and honestly, the things that I've heard from the episodes I've tuned into have been very therapeutic for me. It's just always not feeling alone or like clarifying what you might be going through in your I, dating world. That's exactly what it is. And I think like when UA and I first met and UA, you can chime in on your side of the story, but uh, UA was a dating coach and she had experience yeah. outside and was fairly new to San Francisco where I had been for like my whole adult life. So kind of the way that people dated here was pretty much the norm to me, but I'll let you talk, but you felt like it was very different for you. I mean, I was just like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on here? I had no idea. <laughs> I've never been in a city where, where they're just clueless men out in the wild, but still, uh, but still people said this was such a great city to date for women. You know, it was like one of those things that, because before I moved to San Francisco, I remember everybody telling me, you're going to have the best time there. The numbers are in your favor. <laughs> and I get here and it's, I, I equate it to a middle school dance where there may be a ton of boys, <laughs> you know, there were maybe a ton of boys there, but they're not on the dance floor. I can tell you that they're not dancing. They're just on mm. the dance floor. And all the women, all, all the girls are on one side, all the guys on the other side. And everyone's just trying to figure out like how to ask each other to dance. That's how I felt about San Francisco. 
That like, is hilarious. They're playing hacky sack too in the corner. And I mean, <laughs> exactly. I think like what we've learned though from doing this, there's definitely differences in cities everywhere for sure. But there's also there's just more similarities than differences at the end of the day. I think we just started to notice a lot of them first here because it's sometimes more prominent with like dating apps being developed in San Francisco or like people just being a little more nonconformist and challenging traditional views. So Mm. it's stuff that we started to really see trickle everywhere. And we actually started off as a dating and SF podcast because we thought we were so freaking unique. And then we realized we weren't at all. We realized that (laughs) it was the same shit everywhere that everyone was going through. So it was actually kind of a fascinating revelation that it was not, it was universal. I think that's an incredibly important discovery to have and to document it too, nonetheless. You know, like you're, it's shedding light on this concept that people might have about where they are, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm in the South and it's just like that here. And it's like, well, everyone in New York is so, I'm like, nah, bro, we're all, <laughs> we're all confused and awkward and yep. uh, <laughs> noncommittal, Everyone's- don't know how to... <laughs> Everyone's bitching about their own cities and they think grass is greener across state lines when they're yeah. really not. <laughs> they're, we face exact same issues and just moving out of your city will not solve any of your dating woes. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. 100%. I think that's like the quick fix, right? It's like, oh, well, if I change it. And I, I think if you are like truly stuck and you want to move to another city to reset your life or you want to move to another city for another reason, like by all means you should move. I'm not saying don't move and leave ever. But I think if the people that think that they're going to just move to another city to solve all the dating problems, there's just going to be the same problems in a different form there. I think that's very sound uh, data to wrap one's head around Mm -hmm. um, because in general, we are having new conversations that shed light on the realities versus like perceived realities. It's something that I'm very big on at this current moment that I've been evaluating through COVID and um, my life in general in my 30s. Just like, what are my perceived realities versus facts? Because facts matter in my mm-hmm, world. Right. Um, and how have I been kind of painting a certain picture that may not be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in what ways has that helped me maybe survive and cope? And how many ways has it kind of been to my detriment to not grasp reality for what it is? Sir, you know, the jury's out on that one. So I, I don't have a concluded, <laughs> conclusive uh, verdict for you. But that's stuff that I've been thinking about. And I applaud both of you because I think you do it with such humor and um, just honesty because we we are not going to benefit from like putting on rose-colored glasses about any of this shit as as we, we know, um, trying to face facts. But you, I'm really curious. So you are a dating coach, but where did you go to San Francisco from? I, so I was a dating coach in New York for seven years. And then I moved to Beijing for two years where I also had some dating clients and I had some clients in LA and also Amsterdam randomly. Uh, yeah. So then coming to San Francisco, I also thought that I would pick up my business and being here was when I decided I didn't want to be a dating coach anymore because I realized that I did not know what was going on in the dating scene. <laughs> I, I could not give any solid sound advice to anybody in San Francisco or anybody during that time because modern dating has changed so much. And my business was built 
built upon gender roles. That's mm. how I built my business. And that was, you know, back then, like this is over a decade ago in New York City too, where gender roles are very important and they're so cut and dry. So it was really easy to, I guess not easy, but it was more clear what what I could benefit from in terms of a dating dating business. But since things have really shifted. And since moving to San Francisco, which really set the foundation for kind of like modern dating scene, I realized that nobody knows how to date and nobody knows how to navigate through blurred gender roles. Right. And that's only continuing to get more fuzzy, right? Especially with like Me Too and everything that happened there. Just men are not taking on the same dominance that they once did because they can't, right? Like there is a lot of that piece, but then also women have been evolving so much and don't necessarily want the same things that they once did. So it's a fascinating time though, because we kind of straddle like the new and old ways of thinking. So sometimes that just kind of results in a lot of confusion. Right. Absolutely. I'm, oh my gosh, my wheels are spinning so hard right now. And, (laughs) and to, and to further layer and to further add complexity and nuance, it's just, I mean, then we've also been, and it's been interesting for me as a podcast host to talk about dating in general, because the way that I'm speaking about dating has been very much in this framework of gender roles, but tons of my friends are gay or bi, and that is completely Mm -hmm. irrelevant or, and in certain ways relevant, because even in some homosexual relationships, they take on certain gender roles, quote unquote, right? Like somebody's the more passive one or the more dominant one or what, like, it's it's all up in the air. So, and, and right. there's so many more ways that people date and define their happiness. Like before it was pretty straightforward. You date to get married and marriage was like this goal or this, this, uh, the touchdown zone that like yeah. you won, but now it's like, nah, bro, I don't want to get divorced in a handful of years and like lose half my assets and deal with attorneys and, and mental <laughs> trauma. Um, so yeah, all of these things up- have shifted. You bring up a really good point, which is we had institutions for love and dating in the past. And even though we may not agree with them, they were a clear path for us. And that's why there wasn't that much turmoil for dating back then. But now, because we're kind of like throwing a wrench into these institutions, we feel a little bit directionless. And I'm not saying like marriage is an institution everyone should follow, but it's almost like we, we lost our beliefs in, in what we think is true love, what we think is dating. And mm. we're just throwing all of ourselves into this black hole of nothing, of just unknown. And even though marriage may be something that people don't want anymore, what is the alternative? And I think that's the stage we're in. We're all trying to figure out like, what is the alternative to marriage? But I actually think that's like a beautiful thing. I think that's the most positive thing out of modern dating. Like Minji, you were saying, we're like a generation that experience the fallout of divorce, right? So it's Mm -hmm. made a lot of us gun shy to be in that relationship for the rest of our lives. And we've also seen like terrible things like people cheating on each other and all of that. So I think that's given rise to like ethical non-monogamy or like different ways to approach it, understanding that some of this is kind of course of life and like how can we reinvent and make a relationship that works for us that's still like maintaining kind of like peace and harmony with everyone because I think no one just wants to be hurt and I think that feeling of hurt in relationships is causing us to really challenge like 
what are relationships? Should we even be in relationships? Or how can I make a relationship that will work for me? Mm-hmm. I know. And then, I, I, yeah. See, this is a. I think this is where I would disagree. I think the this is what's causing the confusion in modern dating is the unknowns. But what is the beauty of the silver lining is that we are all trying to figure out the other institutions and creating our own traditions that are very different from our parents or and our ancestors. But the the last ten years, I would say we've been in this black hole of too many choices where we mm. fail to make any real choices at all. Yeah, And yeah. we've finally come to a place where we're like, okay, stake in the ground. Let's make some choices now. Yeah, that's definitely the fallout for sure of too many ch- options. But I think the people that have found their person or their calling or their multiple people or whatever they define have made it in a way that works for them opposed to just this pre- prescribed way that they felt like they had to do it. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I I think that's so interesting to frame it in that way because what it makes me think of is the fact that I was listening to your guys' recent episode. I don't know if it's the most recent one at the time we're putting this out, but it was talking about, you know, do you actually want a relationship? And mm-hmm. the 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 fundamental thing that sometimes we neglect to acknowledge in thinking about our standards, our expectations, our wishes and desires, our vision for what happiness is, is then you got to find someone else who, who might ideally be on the same page as you. Because if you want harmony in a relationship, it takes more than one person to create that. So that's, I think, another layer of, I feel like it's just going to be an ongoing rabbit hole. Like, (laughs) let's look at all the ways that relationships are are freaking difficult and mm-hmm. <laughs> try not to get stressed out. But like, and and that's why it's just fascinating to me because it takes, if you are in a monogamous relationship, it takes two to tango and to find somebody else who shares that vision, um, who shares those same priorities or is willing to compromise or negotiate to a certain degree in order to put in the effort to work yes. with you for a prolonged <laughs> period of time and be attractive enough for you to want to bone and like be intimate <laughs> <Right>? with. <laughs> And like socially adequate that you can bring them around your friends and your family, like, and explain like this ambiguity of said, whatever label you guys are. (laughs) And Um, has the proper genetics and antibodies, you know, just stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like a needle in the haystack sometimes. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Sometimes that's the part that's like, we have all this choice, right? We have all this hypothetic choice, yet for some reason it feels so difficult to find that person that meets all that criteria. And I think a lot of us, like, I think we're not the type two that are like, oh, they must be six feet tall or have like these hype, like all these superficial qualities. But we're even just talking about like basic stuff that you just said, Minji, like that's hard to find. Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Vaya. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Vaya has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of 
THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the walls. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. But let's start with superficiality, shall we? Because I feel like sure. that's a fun place. Like, <laughs> let's start at the, t- the top of the funnel, if you will. I mean, because we're, we're and, and the, you know, to contextualize this conversation, we are professional women that are older, you know, and I have quite a few listeners who are younger and as young as high school and, um, you know, 20s for sure and 30s and up. But there's there's a, for me personally, I've, one of the things I really celebrate at this point is how much I've changed as a person and how much my preferences or standards have changed because it's either my maturity, you know, or like just where I'm at in life in terms of what I want next or what I'm ready for has changed. I'm curious what that's been like for you um, in having your relationships. Cause I've, I, in a nutshell, I've been the serial monogamist who had 
serious boyfriend after serious boyfriend to varying degrees of like, oh, we're going to get married, like with each one, you know, Mm -hmm. and like really kind of vetting them out in that aspect. But looking back on it, definitely each one was a growth phase. I had a lot to mature on, even though at the time I thought I was so grown and like knew everything. Um, (laughs) And my preferences have definitely changed. And I still really do um, not like top priority, but it's up there in the top three. I need to be physically attracted to them. And it's Mm -hmm. not like they all have the same stats right right um i don't think that's superficial though to be i feel like you have to be attracted that's like baseline because if you think about it in the reverse like i would never want someone that's like oh well i'm dating julie she's really fun and interesting but i'm not attracted to her like i would feel so shitty about that exactly (laughs) you know and i'd be like tell this to my grandma investing into this person that doesn't even want to like bone me right so it's like yeah I don't think that's unfair. I mean, I've been in situations where I've met someone that's been on paper great. And I just didn't look forward to the dates. And I remember like feeling like kind of cringeworthy when it came down to like kissing. And I'm like, this is not how I am. I'm like a super like physical touch is like my love language. I'm like, this Mm -hmm. cannot happen. Right. And this is just not fair to this person because there's someone out there that would find this guy super attractive because there was nothing wrong with him. It's more of just, it didn't jive for me. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important for people to think about. And we hear this all the time too, on our podcast and with people is that they're just trying to get like all these, like, it's like a numbers game of how many swipes they can get. And they feel bad if they don't get enough. And it's like, at the end of the day, who cares? As long as you find like that person that finds you attractive. Right. There's a lid for every pot. The, the, the very important distinction though, and Minji, you made this distinction, which is physical attraction doesn't equate to a type. Right. And I think that's when it becomes superficial is that I'm only attracted to someone six, four and above brown hair, blue eyes. Right. That is superficial. Right. But having baseline physical attraction, that could be all different shapes and sizes and looks. And that's okay. As long as you're open-minded to knowing that you can be physically attracted to all sorts of different people. Yeah. And it's in the eye of the older too, because I've certainly dated people before. My friends were like, that person is not an attractive guy, but I found him super attractive. Right. So that's all that matters. Right. That you get starry eyed. I bring this up because I just had a conversation with my grandmother yesterday. (laughs) I was like, do you want us to call her right now? I need you to talk to her. I need you to get on the phone and I need to have a Korean translator because I did my very best. And it's honestly like, it's funny how good at Korean I get when there's like motivation to explain myself. (laughs) Me Um, too. Me too. I'm the same way with Chinese and like all these big words start coming out. You're like, I didn't even know I knew that word. (laughs) Thank you. Exactly. I was like, I am so damn eloquent. My God, I need a... But she was just going on the track and like she was kind of, I was trying to, in my butchered Korean, try to defend like, it's not, I'm not saying I need, you know, Brad Pitt. I need somebody that I'm happy to like snuggle up with and make babies with. And um, because she was just harping on like, I I don't know if it's because she's worried because I'm in my mid thirties and unmarried and she's just like, it doesn't matter. You know, like it's, it's just about if they're a good person and if they believe in God and, you know, setting all these criteria and I'm like, bless your heart. I love you. Thank you. And I'm trying to be a respectful granddaughter, but I was also like, nah, bro, no, no. I I needs to, I needs to want to kiss him. Okay. (laughs) That reminds me of that group chat that your mom was in UA. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's, 
she's on a WeChat group for single parents of single kids who are over 30. I it's just oh. it's ridiculous. And she they have like these secret meetups, virtual meetups where they present photos of their kids and see if anybody is interested. <laughs> oh. but, it, but the kids are completely removed from that. I'm sure there's something in Korean culture where they probably do something like that as 100%. well. 100%. Yeah. But, but what you're bringing up is exactly what I think about if I were to go back to my middle school self right now, or let's say high school self. Mm-hmm. And what would I tell myself? I would say, stay away from that boy because now I see him 20 years later and he is ugly. He's fat he's like three times divorced that's like, for your from, younger <laughs> listeners out there like from my from your future self I would say you are crying over a boy who is the biggest loser 20 years from now but the 20 the the 18 year old me or the 16 year old me still had feelings those are true feelings and that was my reality and mm-hmm. this is how I feel about our our um elders you know our parents our grandparents they're like seeing it from the future where everyone's yeah. ugly past age 60 you know like everyone's the same they look the same so they're like why do looks even matter but when we're still in a stage and I think this is why we're in such a great place in life is we're still at an age where we're still attractive. There's still attractive people out there, but we're mature enough. We make money. We're This is a really good stage in life. So we should at least enjoy the good looking people out there. But I think okay, I even when you get old and ugly, I still want to remember <laughs> being attracted to my partner, right? <laughs> the memory of it. So if you're just like looking at them, let's say you're 80 or whatever, and you're looking at them and you're like, oh, this person's not attractive. You could just remember what they were in their 30s and how excited. It's the memory, right? Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I'm, this is a, perhaps the overly romantic version of me. Like I'm thinking of the notebook and stuff, uh-huh. but I, I, I definitely, again, when I remember, I recall relationships and now, you know, after the relationship has passed and I don't have that emotional attachment anymore. I do remember like, yeah, when we were in love, yeah. even though empirically, objectively, not even really like my quote unquote type, if I, if I had one. And even now I'm like, wow, well, I don't, I'm not attracted to this person, this ex of mine. But I remember when I was in love and when I had that emotional attachment, the sun rose and set on them. So I believe that like, you know, there's appreciation and it's not necessarily like, because I would like to believe, maybe this is a little uh, overly hopeful, but that my my husband, future husband would still find me beautiful or have, mm-hmm. have that appreciation or that love or that desire to down the road when I'm you know, knock on wood, if I live to be old and wrinkly and, um, you know, I'm still on that notebook wave, you guys, I haven't gotten off. (laughs) I mean, I think it's like, you can't have, it can't just be attraction only. Exactly. It can't not be there. It can't be forced because it just doesn't end well anyway for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one big difference between men and women is that for women to be physically attracted to a man, it's actually not just physical. A lot of it mm-hmm. is their attitude, their personality, their vibe. When you walk into a bar, stats say 93% of women notice a man's eyes. It's not even like what they look like. It's just like the the personality that they exude. Yeah. So mm. even when you say physical attraction is important, it's still like the entire package. Yeah, I think Thank even you. Yes. for, I mean, I think men are more visual, yes, but we've talked to men and we're that have met their person or are excited about a certain woman. And sometimes it's hard for them to pinpoint exactly what it is about them. Like we had this one episode that the guy was like, it was her scarf. And we're like, no, it wasn't. Like, 
definitely wasn't her <laughs> right. scarf, but it was her whole vibe. He felt like was just very confident and just eluded energy. And I think it is just the whole picture overall. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that. That's the part of romance that I, I am enamored with. It's the X factor because to mm-hmm. me, it's, um, you know, you can't, you can, you can break down criteria or, or traits and, you know, kind of try to make it into some kind of a formula, but you can't, I love that you cannot, it's certain right. magic yeah, yeah. and it's certain, um, je ne sais quoi, or like just a vibe that you get and that attracts you. And it's kind of this magnetic force because I, I've, I basically have posited, like you can have two awesome people, good, good people, um, have great, families and friends, really attractive, smart, witty banter, but there could be zero chemistry. You know right. What I mean? right. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be apps, in it. Dating apps can be really tough with that because you only see photos. Like you right. don't get that energy. And I think there's some people that, I don't know, there's definitely people that I've met that I'm like, wow, you look so much better in person than photos. And I could have totally passed you up because of that. And I think there's probably people I just never even met because of that. And I think it's so, it's so hard to tell like all the qualities when you just see like a static photo. That's really true. Well, I mean, now there's like video incorporated into dating apps and, and I'm curious for both of you, like what your experiences with dating apps has been, because I feel like the social acceptability of using dating apps has changed. Obviously we're, we're well into that where it's a very normal thing now, Mm -hmm. but once upon a time it was definitely not. And now, like talking to somebody in person in a in a public space is like, what are you doing? Are you a predator? Right. <laughs> like it's. Well, I, I mean, even now it's gone up. We saw there were stats by Bumble and a bunch of the other dating apps that like usage has gone up twenty percent, and just people have been matching a lot more and messaging through all this quarantine too. So I feel like if we felt like in person meeting was declining before COVID nineteen, like it's only going to continue. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like what your guys experiences has been. Are you and you I don't even know. I'm sorry. I don't know relationship status. So this is the tea that we're spilling. I want to understand what's happening. What's going on? DTR. I am in a relationship, a monogamous relationship. We've been together for over a year and a half. So I have not been on the apps for over a year and a half. But we did have a very interesting conversation the other day, Julie and I and another person in the dating space. And we were kind of talking about how, you know, like everyone can meet someone on dating apps and it's kind of socially accepted now. But there's just nothing special about it. Like there's no story attached mm-hmm. to it. There's no serendipity. And it there's something about just meeting someone in a random place out in the wild that makes you feel like that person's really special. Even though they're not, it makes them feel like they're special because it's contextual. So mm-hmm. I think the future of dating apps, and we were kind of brainstorming on what could dating apps do better, is creating more of that serendipity that could happen in real life and making it happen virtually. So it's not just so sterile, like, oh, we matched and because we had similar interests and we swiped on each other and then we met up. Like Nobody wants to hear that story. 
right. anymore. Again, before it used to be like, you found your Tinderella. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. They're like, I'm now sure. everyone has found their Tinderella. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what, though? I, I So I have an interesting story or experience with dating apps is I feel like when they first came out, I was single. So I was on Tinder. And I remember thinking it was like the greatest thing because I had used like Match before. And it was kind of like on Match, you would get this message and it would, or you'd send a message. It would just go to like a black hole because it was all through like an email more. But then mm-hmm. with Tinder, it was just so instantaneous. And I remember when it first came out, I was like, this is the best thing ever. I have like all these dudes like hitting me up. And I remember I was like super excited because I got a message like within like two seconds of signing up. I like showed my roommate and I'm like, it says DT- DTF. And she's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked it up online. I was like, oh, she's like, I think I'm going to not jo- join Tinder. But anyways, over the years, I feel like I've dated like gone on a ton of first dates maybe like first through third dates like there was Mm. someone I dated from match like way back but when tinder and like all these more apps came out I really never met anyone that I dated like all the people I actually dated were through friends of friends in real life Mm -hmm. and I kind of gave up on apps like to be honest I was like I just don't really feel like they're worthwhile like I go on a lot of dates but they don't go anywhere but then Mm -hmm. after um a significant breakup of mine I got back on the apps and it was probably like one of the first people I matched with it was ended up being a boyfriend of mine and we just like really hit it off even through met like through chatting like I don't know what it was like we didn't talk on the phone we didn't do video so we really had no idea beyond just text but there was something that was very engaging about it and Mm. I remember just feeling super excited to meet him even before we met like I went into the date. I remember I, I don't know about you, Vinji, if you've done this or you, but for a long time, I wouldn't even save people's phone numbers because I'm like, the odds of me actually liking this person is probably so slim. So I might as well not even take that extra two seconds to put their number in my phone to just delete it <laughs> later. So <laughs> with him though, I put his number in my phone because I'm like, I have a good feeling about this one. And I like went there we really hit it off. It was like one of like the most magical dates I've ever had. And we ended up dating for like four months. And then he actually had to leave the country um, because he lost his visa. So we probably would have kept dating. It was nothing to do with our relationship. But it really did change my perspective on dating apps because we both realized we would never have met each other. Like we had no similar circles of friends or anything like that. So it was Mm. one of those situations where actually you see the benefits of dating apps that it really gets you out of like your zone. And I think one of the benefits of this whole thing with COVID-19 right now is that I'm hoping that it makes us excited to meet people again, because I think that is like something that was very much lost on dating apps And I'm hoping that people do more pre-screens through videos and phone calls because, you know, it's just dangerous to meet nowadays, right? (laughs) Are you worth it? (laughs) Exactly. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm making sure that I really like, there's like a pretty good chance we're going to hit it off before I go risk my life to meet some rando. So I Mm -hmm. feel like my hope is that you do more of that pre-screening on both sides and you either realize like nope this isn't a match and then that saves two people a lot of time or both people get excited to actually meet in person and 
don't have nearly as many prospects and as nearly as many choices. Because I think the problem right now is that people aren't giving each other enough time. Mm, Interesting. Like, you mean like presence and attention and investment? Is that what you mean by time? That, and I think that has actually been a shift over this period, is that people have a lot more time with presence and connections. And we can go into this in more depth. I think that it's been a mixed bag in terms of dating, but I think in terms of like friends and family and all of that, there's been a lot more like that time and connection. But I think Mm -hmm. time and also like, okay, well, if we didn't have everything that I'm looking for on my checklist after three times, I'm just going to move on to the next person because I have like five dates scheduled this week anyways. So if you're meeting less people, it might be like that you can kind of let it unfold a little more naturally and get to know people opposed to like finding like one tiny thing and then being on to the next. Right. I mean, I I really like that. And I, I just in general, I think the overarching... um recognition of shifting priorities in general, whether or not Mm -hmm. you're in a dating or relationship mindset pre-COVID or during leading into it, I think naturally because of the state of humanity, I would be surprised if people have not at this point, right? We're like almost three months into, at least, you know, in California, um, we're like three months into having much more time alone and more free time and limited interaction with other people in person lends itself to being like, who do I actually want to see? How do I like to spend my time? What's actually important to me? What's worth risking my health for or risking my family's health? For? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so in general, I think it's just a reevaluation of self, but also relationships. And I'm, I love that positive spin on it because I, I, I align with that. I always think that there's going to be bad eggs no matter what the situation is. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's just irresponsible people who will not change and a pandemic or not will not shift that. But for the larger, I think the people I have faith in humanity about, uh, they're going to definitely be like doing a lot of what you're saying. I think that's a very good hypothesis. And for me, like I, I was saying I'm like the serial monogamous. I would always have serious boyfriend after serious boyfriend. And there was like a point in my life in my late 20s, early 30s that I had gone through a really, really gnarly breakup with somebody that I really loved and it just wasn't working out. And I recognized like I've never had time to actually date Mm -hmm. that concept even like, and that's why I'm curious how it existed for you guys and then how you think that it's morphed now. And we started talking about that. At the time, I mean like dating what did that even mean? I didn't even know what constituted dating. Does that mean, okay, you meet up and you have conversations, you have like a physical connection, not necessarily hooking up. Does hooking up equate dating? I don't think so. Like no, hooking up is hooking up. That's not dating, right? Um, and yeah. I had to figure that out like really quickly with the dating app world. You know what's so interesting is because I feel like we're always looking to like bash the current but I remember like when match match.com came out or when I shouldn't say when it came out because it came out a long time ago, but when I started using it, I think I was in my like uh, mid twenties and I remember being like, Oh my God, this is what it's like to go on a date because like the mm. guy would like take me to a dinner and it would be like very formal where before it'd be like going out to a bar and like meeting some dude and hooking up. And that mm-hmm. to me does not 
include a date, right? But what's mm-hmm. been interesting is it went from like super informal to more formal to now it's kind of like a hoggish board, right? It's like <laughs> there's people that are still going on those formal dates. There's people that are just hooking up. There's people that are hanging out, like younger generations, apparently like sending a snap or like a TikTok video is dating. So I think it's like the definition is so all over the place. Exactly. There's there's no definition in my opinion. Well, the definition is whatever you and your partner decide is a definition. I think this is why DTR was so big when it first came out, because people needed some clarity. They needed to get on the same page with what a relationship is and defining their situationship. But even Mm. like, okay, this is something I've always struggled with too. It's like when you're, let's say you're dating someone but you haven't like defined the relationship, but you haven't just gone on like one date. Would you say that you're dating them? Like that feels like it sounds like you're in a relationship, but maybe you're not like, it's all a gray area. But can we just be honest here? Maybe it's just me when you're dating someone, you know, and when you're not really dating someone, you kind of know that too. Like I remember I went on six or seven dates with this guy through a period of like three months. I never felt like we were dating. Mm, that's it felt like true. we were hanging out. It felt like it was very casual, but we never really got deep in our relationship. Even though if you were just looking at frequency, you could say, well, I mean, that's, that's pretty decent way of saying that they're dating. So I think you just know, right? That's a good point. And a lot of times like the best DTR conversations are when it's so obvious that you've already been dating and you're just yeah. like, oh, yeah, we're of course we're dating. Like, I remember an ex-boyfriend of mine, like, we were just, like, walking down the street. And he's just like, you're my girlfriend, right? Like, it was so, like, <laughs> nonchalant. I'm like, yeah, like, I am. You know, it was so, it wasn't like a discussion, right? Because it was already there. And I think those are the ones that always seem to fail, too. It's when it's not super clear. And then one person mm. springs it up. And the other person's like, wait, what? <laughs> Right. And I think that's that I think we should regroup and have a whole DTR uh, episode, because let me tell you from from that multiple times I've you know been, been in between boyfriends and, and done the dating app thing. I have, in my opinion, dated guys and gotten some interesting feedback on their end. I was like, how does this not constitute dating? I'm not saying you're my boyfriend, but in my mind, it was like I knew but that's why I also learned very, mm-hmm. very uh, soundly to not assume that and that it does warrant a conversation. Like that's what adults do. That's what a right. person who respects you and a person who respects themselves does versus what I allow to happen repeatedly, not just once, but repeatedly to just like sit in the gray area not want to rock the boat, Mm. feeling mad, Mm -hmm. awkward, self-conscious, even though it's like, to me, all arrows pointed to like, we're dating. We hang out multiple times a week. We hook up. We text me every day. You say good morning, whatever. Like all these things to me, cues that indicate we're dating. Okay. I'm not saying we're exclusive boyfriend, girlfriend, you need to meet your family right now. But when I, then I had the guts and I had the actual courage to bring it up to said person. They'd be like, oh, we're just like, we're kicking it. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem though there's no guidelines anymore right because like some people could text every day just because they're bored right exactly or, exactly like, now especially with COVID-19 like we have people ask all the time like oh I went on an eight-hour zoom date with him and then I never heard from him again and it's like well time at this point doesn't mean anything 
But I do think people are going to start to define the relationships a lot more and have more of these discussions because of COVID-19, just because of health and like the fact that they're going to have to, where before it was a lot more ambiguous because we didn't have to deal with that. Right. I, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt that they they know, they only know what they know, which in this case or in any of these cases, people's definition of what is dating could be, is solely dependent on what they think dating is from their past. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. taking it to him is dating in his mind or um, seeing someone three days in a row is a relationship for someone else. I think this is so why you were saying that it's like, it's so important to have these conversations when you're partnering up with someone, even if it's not exclusive, just to get on the same page. I remember dating someone, my boyfriend in, in um, Beijing, and I've talked about this before, we had very different definitions of what cheating is. And I, I always thought it was very black and white, but when he kind of brought out why he thought something was not cheating, for example, swiping on dating apps without acting upon it without meeting up. He didn't think that was cheating, but to me that was cheating. But we never, I faulted him for what what was my standards and what I knew, but not what he knew. How do you, how do you justify that? I've been in sticky, similar sticky situations with dating relationships, ambiguous relationships, and with serious boyfriends, because Mm -hmm. that's where I do think criteria and definitions matter. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've, I've been on the receiving side of that too, right. That I've been caught in my own hypocrisy of like, well, you know, like I say a certain thing, but I kind of act to another and how, how do we set a standard though? Cause to me, I agree with you. You if like Mm -hmm. someone's swiping while they're in a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. No. Fuck (laughs) out of here. No, that's (laughs) cheating. You know what I mean? Like you're introducing Whatever, risk, temptation, communication. You're also publicly putting, if you're on a dating app, you are to whoever is interacting with your profile, letting them assume that you're available to be had. So right. I could go on about this. I can right. make my little case. But <laughs> right. uh, how, how, how have you done? I mean, th- you are the relationship coach, right? How would you walk through yourself and your, your ex at that point? Like, how would you walk through that? I think everything has to come from a place of love. So the first thing I did was not come from a place of love, but from a place of pride. I was like, you motherfucker, if my coworkers (laughs) see you on this fucking dating app and they think that you're cheating on me, I'm going to fucking kill you. I mean, that's like how I spoke to him. And he was like, okay, well, I guess we're done. (laughs) But in hindsight, looking back, back at the situation, because I had never been in something like that, I think one, you just have to be really empathetic. I wanted to understand, I later when I settled down, I really want to understand what was going through his head. And culturally, and you have to understand contextually, this changes kind of all the definitions. A lot of married men are on dating apps in China, not for cheating, but purely for attention. And when you when other women see you, uh, local women, the first question they ask you is, are you available or are you just looking? Oh and, wow. And that's that was really fascinating to me because even on a dating app when you see someone's photo doesn't necessarily mean they're available. It right. just means that it's just they're there purely for vanity swipes or whatever it may be. And he had been he's not Chinese, he wasn't born in China, but he had been in China for over 10 years. So he it was already really deeply ingrained in him and to him he had 
he hadn't done anything wrong. To me, he had basically cheated on me. Like that's basically he had slept mm. with some woman. That that was already I already made up my mind. So this is this is the conversation we always encourage couples to have, even in situations where let's say one person brings up a fetish that you think is absolutely weird and disgusting. Well, you shouldn't shun away your partner. First and foremost, you have to come from a place of empathy and love and ask, what is it about this that turns you on? And you have to kind of form, I mean, relationship is a dance, right? And you have to just dance your way to a place, to a dance routine that you feel really comfortable with. And if you are not ultimately comfortable, then you have to get out of the relationship. But it's not about faulting your partner. It's more about just learning more about your partner. Right. And, and yourself too. I think it's like having mm -hmm. your boundaries and in that, in that, what you're saying, I think there's also the empathy and love for yourself that like, if you're really not okay with it to be okay, because I've been in positions where I would overcompromise my own self in order to please the other person trying Mm -hmm. to cater to what, and that gets really dicey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You definitely can't do that. But I think one of the most fascinating things we've done in our podcast too, like if we're going back to early dating, is we've had these kind of like, he said, she said, um, interviews, like about a date. Like we did one that was an exit interview. And it was basically this guy that had gone on like hundreds of first dates that didn't go anywhere. And he didn't know why. So we called up like his past dates and all of them he wanted to see again. And all of them felt like he didn't want to see them again. It was just one of those like crazy mismatch perceptions. And Mm. I think what we've learned over this is that people interpret things very, very differently. And someone can walk out of a date being like, that was the best date of my life. And other people are like, what the hell? And that's why I think there's so many hurt feelings. And that's why people ghost. And that's why like we have situations where... I mean, more more extreme is like we have someone that thinks that this type of swiping is okay and the other that doesn't. So I think it really does come down to all of our personal uh, personal perceptions. But where you, I think, can get a level up in dating is you do take that step back and try to be empathetic of the other person and not Mm -hmm. make those assumptions. And I'm not saying that you should sacrifice yourself by any means, but it might be giving the benefit of the doubt once or something and yeah. at least making it vocal what your expectation is and then seeing how they come through because no one's a mind reader and we can't expect people to be. Oh, honey, you're, you're like speaking to the person that, I mean, I've gone through so many relationships. I'm just, this is a very, also recent conversation with my therapist, recognizing a perceived reality of myself, which is that I'm a good communicator. And Mm. I'm mixing that up because when it comes to public speaking, if we're on a podcast, if I'm talking Mm -hmm. with friends, I do think I'm a good communicator. I think I can get my thoughts out pretty clearly. I, you know, if I have an emotion, like I can convey that. However, caveat relationships (laughs) when it comes to Mm -hmm. the most tender part of my heart and Mm -hmm. the thing that can be hurt the most, the quickest, the most, and the most long lasting. Um, not so much, you know, like that's, that's taking a, that's, comp- I feel like segmenting, you have to like really look at, you can't just like across the board be like, I'm a great communicator, operate under that mindset and assume that like, I'm a great communicator. So if something goes wrong here, that's your bad because mm-hmm. I'm good. 
And yep. um, it's been very sobering for me, very humbling for, you know, to say the least to say, okay, yeah, in this area, I, I do think I'm a strong communicator, can always improve. But here, actually, not so good, because Ooh. I have held a lot in. I've definitely been guilty of the like, wanting the my partner to be a mind reader or just like coerce it out of me or uh-huh. care enough, quote unquote, yep. to do that. And and just assuming like, okay, well, you didn't even ask. And then that other person would be like, well, you didn't volunteer that. Like, if you care about this relationship, why didn't you <laughs> offer it? And I'm like, that's not my job. And then it comes to expectations, right? Like gender roles, expectations, what you were influenced by culturally, et cetera. Like I'm waiting for Prince on a white horse to like, save the day and save me and all the things. And I'm like, as a grown woman now, I'm like, Oh honey, no. (laughs) Oh Oh, no. no. Well, I think that I agree with you. I think that's actually how I've evolved the most over my, I guess, dating life, if you want to call it that. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with the podcast just because we've heard all these different like perception stories and how different people view different things. And I've realized that people really don't view things the same at all. Mm. And you can never, um, you can never go into a relationship. I think the hardest part is going in and recognizing that you view things one way and this other person that you're forming something with operates completely differently. And I think the part I've struggled with the most over my life is like communicating my needs and what I need in a relationship. And I had, I actually recently ended a relationship over this quarantine period. It was from an ex of mine from five years ago. We broke up like four years ago and rekindled our relationship over this quarantine to see if we could make it work. Mm. And one of the things that was really great actually about quarantine is that it forced us to have a lot of conversations and not be together physically. So we really just put it all out on the table. And I remember him being like, wow, you've gotten really good at this. And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing a (laughs) podcast for four years. But I, it was something that I struggled with when we were first together because I like didn't know how to, I didn't even know what my needs were, yet alone communicate yeah. them. And then yeah. I expected him to be a mind reader. I expected him, like you were just saying, to like pull away and him know that I'm angry or something, opposed to just being like, this is what's going on for me. And I also think I always thought of it being like conflict was bad. And if we, if I raised my needs and he didn't agree with them, then we would just end. Where I think what I've learned over doing dateable is that conflict is inevitable. Like these are two different people that are coming to a relationship that have different views. Like we're going to see things differently. As I was mentioning, it's how do you work with that person to overcome that conflict? Yeah, that's real. Minji, I don't (laughs) even know what's your, what's your situation right now? My situation is I, I'm not. I guess I don't know what would be defined as fresh, but I ended a serious relationship in December and it was a two year relationship and we lived together. It was very serious and there was a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of really, really good things and a lot of really challenging things. But at the end of the day, you know, it was all to be matured, right? Like for me to face a lot of really, unsavory, but also like learning how to truly love myself. It's mm-hmm. all of it. Right. Um, I think that's what, you know, the mature centered person in me can look back at every relationship, including this last one and be like, yeah, that's what it was for. Um, and not have bitterness and, and pain. 
but then like, yeah, that was like six months ago. So it's mm. been, it was, it's rough, but I weirdly felt like quarantine came at a great time just to be isolated and to be on my own and to learn how to be alone again. Um, but every breakup and every relationship is so different. Like I'm in my thirties now. Right. And I feel like my, uh, my needs have changed. Julie, I'm right there with you in terms of being <laughs> clear with myself about what I need. Um, because that was something I learned in the last relationship was to articulate that and to accept that I was changing in the, re- in the course of yeah. the relationship. Mm-hmm. I was not the same girl walking in. I mean, there are certain things that I cringe at when we first started, when I first got into that relationship where my mind was at, but that's where I was at. I'm also accepting that, you know, that's right. Mm-hmm. What can you do about it? Like, it, it, I made mistakes and I also just was like trying to be truthful to myself. The other person didn't like certain things. They did like certain things. We were both just like head over heels. So when you're in that headspace and in that emotional state, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of logic and practicality just flies out the freaking window. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm definitely really thinking of relationships for sure dabbling in the I've been in the app space and it's just it's funny to be back in the rodeo well I think you're hitting, you're hitting it at a really interesting time too because <laughs> I mean I admit that I haven't been super in it because I was working through a past relationship but in the last couple of weeks I've been back in it just I've been dipping my toe in I think I'm like everyone's worst nightmare right now because I'll like match with you and then I won't chat back because I'm like not fully there <laughs> And, and I'm like, I'm everything that I hate, but I'm doing it. I get it. I, again, I'm empathizing with those people. So next time when I swipe on someone I really like and they don't hit me back, I'll just be like, yep, they're dealing with something, you know? Good they are. Them. Yeah. Exactly. They're, exactly. But I think one of the things that we're hearing right now with dating apps is very fascinating. I think this quarantine has given people a lot of time to simmer, which has been great. Like, I think... Um, I don't know about you, but like after a breakup, I've definitely taken that time to just be alone. And, but now everyone's forced to do that. Like they kind of like, if you've never done that before and you've never done that exercise, like you just did it by default because you Mm -hmm. had to. And Mm -hmm. it's sitting with your emotions, especially if you're like living alone or with roommates that you're not super digging, like that can be really intense for people. But I think that's actually when the best self work happens. So again, my hope is that like the cream of the crop will rise out of this quarantine because they've done that self work. And we've heard a lot of people say like, hey, I'm ready for a relationship. Like this has given the light of how important relationships are. And before maybe I thought my business or my, I don't know, like, bar life or whatever it was, was like the most important thing to me. And I've realized that it's not. So I think there are those people. And then I think there's like the people that I don't know if you've seen this, but I've, I've had people like ask me to hang out and I'm like, we have barely talked and haven't done a video chat. Like I'm not going to go risk my life to meet you. So I think there's the people that haven't evolved through this too. So it's probably the same at the end of the day, sifting through it (laughs) and finding the right people. But I'm hoping that more and more of them are going to come out evolved. I love you, Julie. I think that's such an optimistic (laughs) and very gracious way to put it. And ultimately, I agree with you. There's definitely some dumbass people. I'm going to say it. They're Do you like, judge oh, yeah. them? Because I judge them. Hell I'm like, yeah. look, I'm like, if you're trying to meet up with me so fast, I'm not the only one you're trying to do this to. So 100%. <laughs> 
And I ask, I'm like, so, because I say no. Well, actually, even before I say no, because I'm going to say no, but I'm like, <laughs> oh, have you been meeting up with people? And they're like, yeah, I mean, here and there. And like, and it's so true. I appreciate the transparency. Look, like, I'm glad you're honest, at least. Yeah. But you just, you dumb. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And then we've heard of people just totally being like, I'm giving up until this resolves. Because mm-hmm. especially, it's interesting, there was a stat on... Uh, the dating app shift that more women are using dating apps right now than men. And probably because men can't get laid, right? Like not to generalize, but that is a piece of it. And the emotional connection that women are looking for. And what they said, though, is this is the opportunity for real relationship minded men to really rise up because there might be more or like less, like more, less competition for them. And they can see it. And it's also the opportunity for women to have some of the people weeded out by default. But then Mm. we have also heard of people that are just like, what's the point if I'm never going to meet someone? Like, it's going to be like a black hole too there. So I totally get that side too. So it's a very interesting time and still a lot of confusion, I think, until we really enter a new normal. Absolutely. I agree. It's it's going to be, I mean, there's a lot of other things as well, where I was explaining just my mental capacity in general in life, my mental and emotional capacity, because that in general has become the thing that I have to check in on yeah. much more frequently than I used to, right? And so as I'm doing these temperature checks, thankfully, I think the silver lining is my tolerance for bullshit has continued to go down. And (laughs) that to me is a good sign because, and that's just, that's life. You know, you go through experiences so that you can learn what you don't like so that it further carves out what you do like. So when it appears before you, you can identify it pretty damn fast. You're like, oh, Mm -hmm. yes, sign me up. But um, (laughs) otherwise, I just feel like, you know, there's been a lot of just political cultural turmoil that I care a lot about. And that is mm-hmm. something that affects me. And I, I'm i active in the Asian American community. We just had Asian Heritage Month and mm-hmm. I had a lot of stuff going on for that. And so in general, like taking a step back to recognize, hey, wherever you're at, on top of the fact that we're in pandemic and everything, but like where you're at and prioritizing dating itself in terms of what it'll take out of you in the grander scheme of things, like that's okay. And I I love, Julie, that you said that when you like swipe on people and you don't take it as personally anymore because you're like, oh, you're just, you're just not there. Like you're just, you have Mm -hmm. a thing that you're dealing with. I feel the same way. And I'm giving myself that same, I'm telling you, this has been the best time for self-love to respect my own Mm -hmm. time, my own energy, because I have such little energy to give to like some nonsensical idiot (laughs) who's like down to risk my life and others for a stupid hookup, like get out of here. So we saw at the beginning that everyone was like all about the dating apps and going on video dates. And I think it was like when things were first starting out and then over time it started to decline a bit. And I think at first it was like, well, this is such an optimal time to be dating. Everyone's so focused, but we do have to remember that there is a pandemic happening and there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And it's okay if you're not there either. Like if you don't Mm -hmm. want this to get in your search for love, there is a lot of virtual ways and ways that you can kind of adapt. But if you're just need a break, like be okay with that. And that's totally fine. For sure. I think this has been such an insightful time for people to come to terms with the fact that they were dating as a form of distraction. 
And I think this is a a coming, calming down and just being in this peace and quiet at home is a great way to come to that realization. And I always equate it to like going to a concert and then, and then juxtapose that with going home and being home alone and just having that like ringing in your ears. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the first month felt like for a lot of people where they're kind of itchy, like, oh, I used to have so many dates and I was swiping, blah, blah, blah. And then after the first month, I think people really calmed down and said, actually, I don't really need that in my life. That's, mm-hmm. that's just a distraction. And this is a good time to find more clarity. I yeah. love that. And I hope we don't go back to the old way of dating because- there, I mean, as much as there, like we're we kind of we're kind of going going full circle from the beginning of this conversation. Like there is beauty in modern dating, like we pointed out that people can create the relationships they want. But there's a lot of reasons why people are like modern dating's the worst or modern dating sucks because there's a lot of bullshit that's involved too. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we can now create the type of dating experience we want like why would we go back to the past when people are going out with all these people that they can't keep track of and ghosting left and right like that wasn't ideal either and I think we can't forget that and it's time that we just create what we want to create more I love you guys I just feel like I had (laughs) I just feel like I had such a like wonderful therapy session of so many things and I just really appreciate that you guys take the time to record and investigate and and get, you know, experiential anecdotes that really ring true with the t- like it's the tough stuff. It's the great stuff. I mean, I could go on for days and days and days about how wonderful it is to just connect with somebody or be attracted to somebody and have that little twinkle in your eye because you have a crush or whatever. Like there's so many great parts and so it's not just to like shit all over it right but it is it is a tough thing because I think you're putting something extremely valuable on the line and that's your heart and your time and your Mm -hmm. feelings so it's not you know to take it lightly and the fact that you guys invest so much energy into having these narratives or like and the evolving narratives right because it's not a stagnant Mm -hmm. thing it's like in and of itself it's a very culture-driven uh situation I just appreciate that you guys have this podcast and you guys are getting such great guests like Mark Manson. And I, I really want to go listen to that episode because um, so I'm good. reading his book we'll right now. And we'll have you soon, Minji. We'll have Minji yes. right after hey. Mark Manson. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's, ah. Uh. <laughs> but I think you so hit it well. It's like at the end of the day, we wouldn't, okay, dating isn't, is sometimes very challenging, right? But at the end of the day, the the end result is so beautiful. Like when you do have that relationship, I know even for myself, even the relationships that haven't worked out, like those are some of my fondest memories of my life. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why we go through all this, right? So I think if we can help people realize that they're not as alone and change their perspective, that's the best way that you can kind of adapt to dating and get to that end journey that you're going through. I love it. Before we before we close out the episode, I do really like you. You've been such a wonderful, supportive ear to Julie and my dating journeys. And I'm curious because you are the one that is partnered up. And I'm really curious to put that out there for there's a lot of people who listen who are in quarantine with their significant other or they're in a serious relationship and maybe not quarantine. But I'm curious, like, what what has your takeaways been for being in a relationship in this moment? And how do you think that, I mean, what is it you wish for or hope for in the future? 
I really have learned so much about relationships. I think this has been an incubator for our relationship Mm. in some ways. What I've really learned is that the first step you should do in anything is to observe. Don't judge, don't act, just observe. And in the conflicts that we've had throughout this time, like all the couples have, I think what I've really observed is as soon as you start feeling like the resentment resentment is building or you're feeling uncomfortable about the situation due to not the current situation, but through past events, that's when you really need to address it. Because I think like what happened before the quarantine was for a lot of couples, if something starts bubbling up, you can easily just walk away or go to work or do something to distract you. But now you're kind of in this focused time with each other and you really can't do that. There is no out. You can't escape. So you really have to address address some of this resentment building before it gets to the building part. Mm. And a lot of couples are suffering from what I think I, what I made a mistake of doing in the beginning of our relationship was just wanting the quarantine to go smoothly at the expense of addressing some of our deeper issues. Ooh. And, you know, and then towards the end, it starts building up and then it just makes it worse. So what I've really learned from this experience is resentment building is the ultimate, ultimate detriment to any relationship. Wow. Amen to that one. <laughs> Amen. Uh, yeah. Can I second and third and, and fourth and fifth? Back? I think that's that's really powerful. And I, I do, you know, I think in my being single, there have been moments of loneliness where I did envy, you know, having a companion and having a company that I can cuddle up with and feel soothed by. But it's always that kind of grass is greener thing. And it is really tough. You know, some people can look at that and be like, oh, I don't have anybody to you know, hug and kiss, but it's like, yeah, you also don't have someone to argue with and be like, why do you do it that way? (laughs) I think everyone is struggling in different ways. Like parents are struggling. Like there's just people that are quarantined with their family of different struggles. Like literally, I think you said it well, the grass is greener. So when Mm -hmm. you're feeling down, I think it's good again, to have that perspective that it's not always a hundred percent for someone else either. Right. And then I know we'll be talking about this topic a little bit more when you come on our show, but I always live by the rule that I much rather be lonely by myself than lonely in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really think that's the worst feeling in the world. Yes, absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's a lot. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, we continue to change as people and that's going to be always kind of like a tough thing to navigate because you don't know what your future version is going to be. So the mm-hmm. only thing you can really do as cliche as it is, and I think we're learning it ad nauseum right now in quarantine is, be now, be here now, right. like, and, yes. and, um, you know, have visions. Like I'm also trying not to cut myself off from like having hopes or dreams or visions, or ex- I think the word expectations can be a tough thing to, to mm. digest sometimes because that can become a slippery slope. Um, but like, yeah, I have aspirations of how I want things to be, but really all we can do is focus on here and now and try to lay the bricks in front of us as, <laughs> as well as we can. Cause I'm like, yo, I can't go down that rabbit hole right now. I'll just spiral. <laughs> it's not right. good. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll all be okay. I, I just appreciate you so much. And can you please plug again, your podcast and where people can listen in, follow you guys. Yeah, I mean, pretty much any podcast player, like 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio, Overcast. We're pretty much on any podcast app. And you can also go to our website, datablepodcast.com or at datablepodcast on Instagram. Awesome. Um, do you guys want to plug your personals or no, just go to the, go straight to the podcast. You ain't can. I don't really have a personal Instagram. <laughs> Our podcast is enough. <laughs> okay. All good. I love this laser focus. I love it. Well, I, I appreciate you both so much. This was like one of the most fun conversations I've had in a while. And I love that it's with two amazing, smart women who have so much to share with the world. So thank Thanks you for having us on and we can't yeah. wait to have you on ours. Thank you. So it's going to be fun. really fun. Yeah, for Such sure. Such a good conversation. Um, and thank Yes, we'll have more. I swear this is like the beginning um of many. I'm like, "Oh, DTR, let's talk." <laughs> um but before we get we get before we start another hour, uh, we'll, we'll close this episode out. And if you enjoy this episode, please do share it with a friend. We covered some real, I, I am like, I'm going to be sitting in this one for a while because there's a lot to digest and in a great way. So if you were inspired, educated, whatever, like, please share it with a friend because there is so much more to, to dig into this topic. We can never have enough time. Um, but thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Aquafina for use of her song, Yellow Ranger, for the intro. Thank you to Jennifer for Chung for her song I Forgive You I'm Sorry it's a gorgeous new song I hope you'll listen to it that is our song for the outro and hope you enjoy it I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers please go check out all of the other podcasts there's some really funny hilarious meaningful content out there and uh, yeah you can find me on all this all the podcast platforms as well so look me up if you want to talk email me first of all pod at gmail.com follow me at first of all pod or you can follow my personal page too at minjeezy that closes out this episode of first of all thank you again to ua and to julie for being amazing guests and go check out their podcast i forgive the way you always seem to ask for more I forgive the days you walked away and left me cold. I forgive you, forgive you. I'm sorry it took this long. Kathy, Kim, Steve, what's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-Cup coffee pots? Because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, no. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It, it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So, are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden, from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean Drama Podcast at koreandramapod.com. Gotcha! Am I going to see sauna towel buns? The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? 
first, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Datable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Datable, and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Thank you.